January of 2013, I told this same thing that I'm going to share with you today. I knew that I had done it once before, and I announced that I would do it again. I struggled with it for three or four weeks before I actually said that I was going to preach this today because I knew I had done it before. And then I thought that probably there were most of the people here who did not hear, at least many people did not hear, and over a passing of three years, it would diminish in most people's memory anyway. I'm not trying to hide the fact that I've done this before. I'm just telling you why I'm doing it again. And the main reason is because I really feel that the Lord laid it on my heart to do it. I didn't remember when I did this before. I went and researched it and found out in the records that I preached this same thing on January 13th of 2013. So we're lacking about a week. That's been three years. But the vision is still fresh in my memory. It's, it, it's, it's still colorful, vibrant, and alive in my memory because God spoke it so clearly to me on that Saturday morning when he gave me this vision or revelation. At first when I received it, I thought it was just for me. And I know that it was for me and is for me. But then the reason I shared it the first time, I waited a few months actually before I told it in church after I received it. And uh, the reason I did is because I came more and more to realize it was a challenge for everyone. And the Lord did lead me to share it again. I believe the Lord's led me to share it for a reason again this morning. I'm not someone who's given to dreams and visions. I've said before, this is actually in all my life of serving God the only time I've ever received anything that I would call a vision. I've had a lot of dreams, but... I don't even know any one of the dreams that were really given from the Lord. But this, I believe, whether a dream or a vision, I don't think it's totally relevant. This, I believe, was given to me by the Lord because it has continued over a period of time to challenge me and to come back to my memory for me. So this is one more time to share it with you. And I'm going to believe that God will use this today to speak something to your heart, that will be a challenge to you. The scripture uses dreams and visions many times. Again and again and again, God revealed his directions, he revealed his will, he showed his plan by visions, by dreams, by angels speaking to people. But that was most, for the most part, that was before we had the written word and certainly before we had the written revelation of the gospel in the New Testament. That, of course, the fact of having the written message of the New Testament doesn't nullify dreams and visions. If it did, I wouldn't be sharing this with you today. So God does still speak to us, but usually he speaks to us as the Holy Spirit reveals his word to us. And any time that you think God has spoken to you something that isn't in total conformity to this word, that has any variation from what this word says, that in any way contradicts anything that this word says, and you believe that's from God, you are mistaken. 
He will never say anything to you by any means other than what is in His Word. But I do pray regularly. I pray for God to speak to me. On a regular basis, I pray this. For God to speak to me in dreams, in visions, in spiritual revelations. And I've told you, even though I pray for that, I want, I'm praying that because I want to be open to it. Not because I feel like God's got to show me something through a dream or a vision. If he does, I want to accept it and I want to be open to it. But I do find more and more and more as I pray that, that God begins to help me see certain things in his word with a new viewpoint, with a greater clarity. And his word speaks to me as I pray that faithfully more and more and with clearer and clearer emphasis and with impact different from what it had in the past before I began to pray that way. So what I call my vision, for that's just what it is. I could have put some other challenging name to it or something to stir some interest or curiosity, but it isn't anything about it other than to say this is a vision that the Lord gave me. I experienced in this vision standing up on a high elevation, looking down across a wide plain and valley, As I looked down across that wide plain, I saw a a community spread out before me. Houses, row after row, street after street, over a great expanse on the plain in the valley. And I thought, what an attractive place that is. It looked like one of today's planned communities. Neat, clean, attractive streets to travel, the homes positioned very nicely, very evenly. And then as I watched over that great expanse of the valley, I looked up towards my right and I saw up on a high hill a beautiful, beautiful palace call it a palace, a castle. It was a huge house and beautiful in every way, bright, shiny. And I listened carefully. I thought I heard sounds coming from it. And the more I listened, the more I realized I did hear sounds coming from it. But I was somewhat uncertain about all of it. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know if I was in a certain state or certain location, certain part of the world. I just saw this out in front of me. But I was strongly attracted to it to find out in a closer fashion what it was. So I began to walk down towards the the path that was before me, following it. And as I followed that path, that walk, I had to go through the stretch of the houses to get anywhere else. In other words, it would have been difficult when I saw the way to get up to the palace without going through the houses on the plain. So I walked on down, and as I got closer to all these living units, I saw that they were not houses at all. They were tents. They were all the same color. They were beautifully done, very neat, very orderly. seemed like they had permanent flooring in them. They were stretched tight. 
They looked very nice as you walked in. But they were, everyone was a tent. What I thought was houses, when I saw it from a distance, as I got close, was just a wide collection of tents. But every one of them was very attractive and very appealing. And it was very obvious that people lived in them because there were outside furniture around them. Some of them had barbecue pits out on the edge of them. I don't remember specifically. There might have even been a swimming pool or two. But it was an attractive place. And I saw people walking around being very friendly, seemed like they were enjoying themselves. Very, very uh, uh, appealing for someone who likes neighborhood and likes to share with neighbors. They seemed all very happy together. They were just living life routinely, and there was nothing exceptional. There was nothing outstanding, nothing surprising about it. It was just a nice, large neighborhood with a little feel to it, and the people just seemed to be enjoying it and finding it to be very nice. So I walked through, and I spoke to some people. Hello. Walked down to Hello, how are you? It was like I belonged there. They were happy to see me. They didn't say, oh, here's a stranger in our midst. Let's go find out what's going on with him. Why has he invaded us? No, they just welcomed me. Come on in. Some invited me into their tent. And I found one person to have a conversation with. And I said, well, tell me about this place. Oh, he said, it's a wonderful place to be. Everybody here is, everybody here is just contented. I said, so you mean they're having a wonderful time, that they're just really enjoying everything about life? He said, well, everybody here is contented. And the best I could get out of him was that everybody was contented. Everybody was satisfied. Nobody was disturbed. Nobody was upset. There was no agitation going on. They were all just at peace. Well, we're just enjoying our neighborhood. We're enjoying our neighbors. We're enjoying our tents. We're just contented. Well, that's a nice way to be. Not worried about anything. Not challenged by anything. No burdens, no problems. Apparently, at least from what I could gather, I'm sure they had them, but they were not apparent because they were not apparent because they were contented. That was the word that just seemed to. And as I've thought about it over a period of time since, and that's the word that just seems to keep on ex- describing that vast array of tents to be people there were contented. So as I walked down the street and looked at it all, and it didn't seem like anything was very different. You saw one, you saw the next, you saw the next, you saw the next one. And you all, they all seemed to be the same thing, except for a little bit of difference of what they had around them on the outside. But other than that, they were all the same thing. Everybody living in the same kind of tent, same size tent, same color tent. And they were all contented. So I asked the man, one of the men that I encountered on the walkway, what about that great big place up there on the top of the hill? What is that? Can you explain that to me? He said, well, I don't really know exactly what that is. I said, have you ever been there? No. I, I thought about it a lot of times. I've been curious about it. I've been interested in it. But I know I just decided I'd stay here because here I'm contented. I said, well, it's, it's a beautiful place. Oh, yes, it is a beautiful place, he said. In fact, he said, I, 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 I once started up there. I got to, started up the hill, and I realized it was a kind of steep part than I thought it was. So I didn't go all the way. But I have talked to some people who tried to get all the way up there. And he said, they, they said they were invited to go, but 
night there, there was a guard who wouldn't let them in. I said, well, that, that's strange that someone would invite you to come somewhere, and then they would put up a barrier or even a guard who would tell you, no, you're not welcome here after all. Leave. He said, yeah, that, that, that is kind of strange. He said, that's what was reported to me. So I said, so you don't know of anybody living in these tents who's ever made it up there? He said, no, but I think if you have gone up there, but they'd never come back. We don't know what happened to them. Well, now, that's kind of ominous. But still, who would get lost in such a beautiful place as that? And then I realized as I walked that way, I said, I'm going to go see what I can find out about that by walking up closer to it. He said, well, let me know what you find out. So I went on, and I got to the bottom of that hill and started to take a few steps. I heard that the sound that was coming out was beautiful music, fabulous music, wonderful music. And as I got a few steps further up, I thought, there are some songs even here that I even recognize. I won't name any of them because you wouldn't know them anyway. You know, <laughs> beautiful music is what you like, isn't it? So to me, <laughs> so I was hearing, I was hearing things like that, that were before your time, probably. Anyway, it was it was beautiful music, harmonious. There it sounded like there was full orchestration, and they were singing. With, and, and the thing that was so impressive about the music was it was music full of joy. They were just full of joy singing. I didn't see anybody doing the singing, but the songs were coming out full of joy. And I knew it wasn't just something recorded or something playing back. These are people singing. So I started walking up the hill. And I get a little kind of interested. And, and I see, as I get closer to the palace, sometimes you see things far off that look beautiful. And when you get closer to them, eh, not so much. But this, the closer I got to it, the more attractive it was, the more beautiful it was. I wasn't oversold by seeing it from a distance. It was an undersell. As I got closer, it was better and better and nicer and nicer. And I thought I liked it more and more. So I was walking up to come up to well, I was, I was going to walk up and knock on the door and see if I could go in. And as I got just a few steps from the front door, a nice man stepped right out in front of me. And he said, good afternoon. Or good morning. I don't remember which it was. Hello. I said, hello. Now, this is a very attractive-looking man. Very distinguished. Had on a very nice suit. Very nice tie. His shoes were polished and shiny. Pants were creased. I mean, he looked like he had just decked out of GQ magazine. This was a man impeccably dressed. I still remember the tie he was wearing. I don't remember the design. I just remember being impressed, impressed thinking, I'd like to have that tie. I didn't ask him. He didn't offer me. But I, but I was impressed by, by his dress and by his appearance, by his demeanor. And he spoke very nicely. He said, where are you going? I said, I thought I'd go in here and check out the, what's going on in this palace. I hear this music, and I want to go in there and check that out. And he spoke very nicely to me, very calmly, very pleasingly. He said, well, you don't want to go in there. I said, well, I thought I did. I just, it sounds so interesting. He said, oh, no. A lot of people come here and have come here and changed their minds. He said, they get closer. They don't really want to go in. I said, well, I'm closer, and I really still want to go in. He said, well, I don't think you'd like it. I, I, I'm quite sure that once you got in, that wouldn't be interesting. A lot of people go in there, they leave. They don't like it. He said, I see almost as many people, about as many people coming out that door and coming down here. As I do, coming up here, going.
going in. Well, I didn't see anybody coming up here trying to get in. I don't see anybody trying to get out either. So I'm listening to him. And I'm beginning to think, well, maybe he has his own agenda. He's not trying to help me because he was telling me, I'm saying this for your own good. I, I want to help you. I don't want you to waste your time. I don't want you to get where you're going to be disappointed and let down. And I'm just trying to help you by telling you what I know. You really don't want to go in there. Well, have you ever, I know you don't think this is true, but every now and then I get a little stubborn streak in me. Yeah. I, I can be just a little bit obstinate. Because by now I've decided I do want to look in. I may not want to stay, but at least I want to check it out and know for myself. So I say to him, well, I think I will go in and check it out and take a look at it. He said, you do not want to go in there. Listen to me. I'm telling you this for your own good. Now, his voice changed. His demeanor changed. He got sterner, even abrasive, like he's going to stand there and block my way to go in. You cannot go in there. And I said, well, I'm going to try. So I start to walk around him. He moves over and blocks my way and sits in front of me, holding me back. He doesn't touch me, never touches me, just standing there to, to hold me back. And I said, now, are you, are you saying that you're going to keep me from going in there? He said, I'm going to try to keep you. He didn't say he was going to keep me from going in. He said, I'm going to try to keep you from going in there. That's right. Yes. I'm here, I'm here to help you, and I want to help you whether you want to be helped or not. I'm going to tell you, you don't want to go in there. And I said, yes, I do. So I start to walk around him. Now, here's this man dressed so beautifully, so sharply. I would say he was wearing a heart shaft and mark suit, but it was probably more of a Hickey Freeman. One's expensive and one's outrageous. I think he was wearing top level. <laughs> And so he's standing there blocking my way. And this man so, so, so nicely, so graciously dressed is blocking my way. But I'm going to walk around him. He doesn't seem like a pretty, very strong guy. He's not like he even grabbed me and threw me down. He never has reached out to try to touch me. So I think I can just walk around him. As I start to walk around him, suddenly he isn't that nice-looking gentleman anymore. Suddenly there's an ogre standing in front of me, a monster. Fearsome, ugly, strong, powerful. You're not going in there today. Now, I wish I could tell you that I slapped him in the face and knocked him down and walked over and walked on in anyway. The mighty man of faith the great man of spiritual valor just stood there. I don't know what I did because the vision ended. That was the end of it. And I was confused by that for some time. But I realized as I dwelt on it so many times over a period of time, that was a message saying, it's your choice. Here you are. You see the obstacle. You see the barriers, you see the obstructions, you see the difficulty. What will you do? And 
changed. The figure now didn't change. He didn't change back to the nice man. He stood there the whole time. And I realized that what was happening was the devil had clothed himself in a way to try to deceive me. He wanted me to think that he was a very nice gentleman who had only my interest. And then when I refused to listen to him and take his words as truth, he showed his real self. In any event, he said, I'm going to block you with deception. I'm going to block you with an appealing look. I'm going to block you with very nice words. But if I can't stop you that way, I'm going to put up something. I'll show you who I am so that you can't go through me. Now, the reason for that is all of that was going on inside that palace. All that beautiful music was the saints of God rejoicing. They were praising God, worshiping God, living in victory, seeing God's word fulfilled in their lives, praising God, walking in his presence and in his power and his anointing every day. That's what the enemy wanted to keep me from then. It's what he wants to keep me from now. It's what he wants to keep you from now. It's what he's always wanted to keep you from, and it was he wants to keep you from now. But remember this. I didn't have to stay there and fight that ogre. I didn't have to do that. I could just turn around and walk back down that hill, as so many people living in those tents had done before me. They didn't tell me that when I was down there, but I realized that that's what had happened. A lot of people had made that journey up there, but when they faced the real obstacle, but they face the real barrier of going into the depth of the presence of God and the victory of the Lord. They turned away and said, I can't pay that price. I can't fight that fight. I can't win that battle. But I want to tell you today, friend, that you can. And you've got a choice. You can fight that battle and move on into the palace of victory, or you can walk on back down and live in the tents of has time, reads a verse of the Bible, or puts a little promise card out of the box, says his prayer for the day, and then goes on and forgets everything until he goes to bed that night. Oh, I need to pray. Oh, God, thank you for this day. Go to sleep. Get up the next morning, take a little promise out of the box again, and go and do the same thing over and over. You can be just a Christian, just walks along, and does everything you can to accommodate the world, accommodate the issues of the world accommodate the vision of the world, go along and be like the world and not stir up anything up and live in a tent of contentment. If you want to stay in a tent all of your life, there's a place there. There's a place for Christians to live at that level. I don't think those people living in the tent were going to hell. I didn't get any indication of that. They were good people. They were nice people. They were just contented. They didn't want to go on into the greater things and they didn't want to face the challenge to walk through the barriers to get into the greater things of God. So they settled for the valley. They settled for the tents. They just stayed there. They lived there. Where those who had already made it on the inside, and there were people there because they were singing and they were rejoicing and they were praising God. Those who had already walked that path, who faced that challenge, who walked through the barrier of the devil and fought that fight to get on the side of victory, walked into the palace of joy and victory, and they praised God every day, all the time, for God 
God's pouring out of His Spirit on their lives. So, I, you know, as I said, my vision ended. The Lord didn't show me what I did. But He presented it to me. He presented the challenge to me. He told me what I need to do. I need to make a decision. I need to go on into the palace of great victory. If not, there's a place for me to move on back down the hill and settle into one of those tents of contentment. I believe I chose to walk through that barrier the enemy raised up. I believe I chose to go on inside. <laughs> I don't think it was that, that wasn't necessarily a catalyst where I just started praying, but I had been praying. God led me that point, but I'd been praying. That was a time when God was moving and and and, and, and stirring my life in a, in a great way that that's caused a lot of things to happen here. And and I, I believe that I did that. I do know this today. But I, face that, I do face that in reality, just like you do. But I know this. When I saw that vision, that once he became the ogre that he truly is, he still didn't touch me. He didn't touch me when he was dressed up as the nice gentleman. And he didn't touch me when he came to dragon. You know why? Because all he is is a liar. All he is is a deceiver. He's a threatener who can't fulfill the threat. He's somebody who's going to tell you he's going to kill you, and he doesn't have the power to kill you. He's somebody who tells you he's going to destroy you, and he doesn't have the power to destroy you. He can destroy things around you. He can kill things around you. But he cannot annihilate you. Because you are in Christ, and greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can face the devil and you can win the victory over him. Jesus showed us how to do it. He went through the temptation in the mountain as the Satan came to him and offered him everything. Everything that could be offered to anyone. Satan offered it to Jesus. And every time Jesus answered him with the word of God. And Jesus prevailed overcoming that temptation. So the Bible now can say he suffered everything just as we have suffered it. He has suffered every temptation that we have suffered. But he prevailed in victory. He knows what we're dealing with because he dealt with it. He gained the victory. He knows what the victory is. And he's able to bring the victory to us, which he does when he lives in the fullness of our lives. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I, when I, thought, I thought about that vision, again, and I thought about it so many because the choice isn't just made one time necessarily. You've got, to, you've got to continue to choose. You've got to continue to make that choice, to make that choice for victory. There's always the appeal. There's always the appeal to go back to the tents. But there's always the glorious victory of living in the palace, living in the castle, living in the presence of God, where God has made great victory for us. I didn't perceive, and I don't perceive now, that that, that castle that I saw, that palace... That, that was not heaven. That's just the land of victory today. That's like Canaan. Canaan is a, a symbol of heaven. Canaan is a sam, symbol of victory. Canaan is a symbol of faith and victory. You walk across the Jordan and you've got to fight a battle. But when you fight the battle, God gives you the victory. And you live and walk in victory because you're living in obedience to God. That's what the castle symbolized. 
that there is a victory in which we can live and the God and the God of great power becomes the God of great power in our lives and he gives us victory to overcome. He gives us overpower and overwhelming victory. What we have is greater than what the devil has to try to keep us out of the victory of God. And I realize more and more and more all those deceptive things that he was saying to me are just the deceptions the devil wants to use. He wants to make you think, make you believe that the things that you think are so important in your life, he wants, he wants you to think that, that they are very important. He's got you believing some things in your life are very important when they don't mean anything. He's got you believing some things have great value as you desire them and want them and grasp for them. They have great value. And they had no value whatsoever in the light of eternity. The truth is, the truth is that the devil in every way is a receiver, is a deceiver. He's a liar and the father of lies, Jesus said. And he will make you believe things that are not true. He'll make you believe you can't serve God when in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus Christ you can serve God with great victory. He'll make you believe that you have no way to overcome in your life. You're defeated. The Bible says you are not defeated. In fact, the Bible says that through Christ, we are more than conquerors. Through him, through him who loved us, we're more than conquerors. It doesn't matter what kind of attack the enemy brings against us, what kind of destruction he tries to bring on us. God has the victory for us. He has the antidote. He will give us overcoming grace, and we'll be able to overcome it not only every day, but every hour, not only every hour, but every minute. We'll be able to live and stand in the victory of God. And with the saints who are in victory around us, sing and shout and praise the glory of God and give Him the honor for what He's doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I wanted to, I, I, I didn't abbreviate the vision. I told you everything about the vision. As short as it was, I told you everything about the vision. But the meaning of it, the meaning of it. You can you can take it for yourself and dwell on it and let it be expanded in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit by the work of God as he says something to you through this experience. And you think about it. Let it be a message to you as to what God wants to do for you, in you, for your life. Because it is a message of victory that the devil wants to keep us away from. He wants to steer us back down to the lower plane and put us in a tent of contentment. Whereas the will of God for us in its fullness is for us to walk up the hill, climb that mountain, walk past every obstruction of the enemy of our lives, and walk into and live forever in the victory and the glory and the power of God. We want to climb to a higher level. There's a great song I love. I've sung for years and years and years. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay. Where doubts arise and fears dismay. 
Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I want to live above the world of Satan's darts and mere hurls. For faith has caught the joyful sound. Here's the vision. Faith has caught the joyful sound. The song of saints on higher ground. The song of saints on higher ground pulled me higher and higher and made me want to be there. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you want to stand on higher ground, as a great place of victory, 